We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome back, Hornets fans, uh, QCH readers, and Busby listeners. Uh, I am Spencer Pershing, along with me, as always, again, uh, our co-host, Richie Randall. Um, so, Richie, we got plenty to get through in what is our ninth episode now uh, of the new and improved Busby. It's hard to believe. Um, so we need to get through a lot of stuff again, Richie. So we got some Spencer Halls, Roy Hibbert uh, debate that I, I think we're probably going to have. Um Batum's back, so we'll talk about that. He's back tonight against Philly. So, and by the way, we're we're recording this uh, on Friday night. Uh, so, really, we're going to try to get this in before the Sixers game. An hour before uh, tip starts off. tonight. Yeah, an hour before tip off. So, um, Kimba is he going to get left out of the All Star game? We're going to talk about that. And then we're going to hand out some mid season awards, Richie. I, I think think that's going to be a fun segment. So, uh, but first, tell our listeners where they can find us, follow us, and listen to us on the interwebs, Richie. All right, Spencer. Yeah, we can. Uh, you guys can listen to us in a variety of places. Uh, my personal preference is through iTunes. I have the uh, podcast app on my phone, uh, and just I'm subscribed to BuzzBeat. Uh, but you can also listen to it uh, on Stitcher. And if you want to check out uh, AlmightyBaller.com and Queen City Hoops, of course, uh, for all the newest content in our podcast, we have a uh, a playlist on there in which you can listen to all the podcasts uh, up to date. So this will be the ninth one. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to believe, but it's been it's been fun so far. I'm really really glad we decided to do this, and you know we're obviously really fortunate to have a new home um, with the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, and we're really really excited uh, to be a part of that. So, so Richie, what's going on in the in the Randall household this weekend? Uh, not a whole lot. I got a three day weekend uh, with Martin Luther King uh, Jr. Day on Monday, so we're just going to be relaxing a little bit. Um, the funny thing is, uh, last week. Uh, around this time, we had snow. Uh, well, snow, an inch of snow. Uh, and yeah. today, it was uh, it was seventy seventy degrees in here in Charlotte. So Charlotte's weather is just it's just crazy. What about you? It's it's nuts, man. I, I don't know. Like, 
I don't like the cold weather, but I also cannot stand this like 50 degree swing, you know, in the matter of a few days. That right. just really, I don't know, it just makes me feel weird. Um, so, yeah, it was like 70 up in Richmond um, yesterday. Today was a little cooler, but it's just, it's just weird. I don't know. I mean, it's winter, and then all of a sudden you feel like spring's, you know, right on the doorstep. So, really weird weather. But how much snow did you guys get? Uh, I was like seven or eight inches in wow. Richmond. Yeah. You know, so yeah, probably about the same. Charlotte didn't get anything. No, they were calling for like three to five, and every day it got closer to the day that it was supposed to snow. It kept going up and up, and that's why everyone was so disappointed when they woke up Saturday morning and it was like less than an inch. So, right, yeah, my folks live in Statesville, which is north of Charlotte, and they got like seven, eight inches. So the like the line of where it stopped snowing or it was just you know rainy or whatever, and where it started snowing was pretty, uh, pretty distinct. So right. Um, all right. Well, again, we got a lot to get through, so let's let's jump right in here. Um, so the logical place to start is probably the Houston game, um, which, you know, I'll be honest, I did not watch that entire game. Um, I turned it off in the third quarter. I had to get to sleep early that night, and at halftime, I had no hope. Third quarter started. I I think they got down by twenty four, and I said, okay, I'm good. Uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and shut the computer now. Uh, woke up the next morning pleasantly surprised at the Hornets <laughs> coming back in that game. They teased us. Furiously coming back. Um, actually took the lead late in the fourth quarter. Uh, come up short, 121-114 loss in Houston. But, Richie, I know you did watch it. Try to recap that Bananas game in, in a, few, <laughs> a few minutes. When I was kind of half watching it, because as any Hornets fan that was watching that game, especially early on, uh, Houston just came out shooting. Uh, at a crazy clip. I want to say close to 60% from the field and close to 60% from three-point line. And obviously their, their roster is, is built that way with, with Harden and, and Ryan Anderson and players like that. Uh, interesting enough, they didn't play with one of their better three-point shooters, uh, Gordon. Uh, so we thought maybe we'd have a better shot uh, at containing the three, but they, they were shooting the ball like crazy. Um, and we kind of weathered the storm a little bit in the first quarter. I'm surprised, you know, just by the play of the Rockets that we were only down by like six or seven after one. Uh, but then heading into half, we were down 20. So at halftime, I tuned it out. I mean, it was on. I was I was watching. Uh, and I was, like you said, pleasantly surprised that they came back. I think Kemba had his had his strongest quarter in the third quarter. Uh, that that to me seems to be his his best quarter uh, of, out of out of any uh, this year. And then in the fourth quarter, it was um, our favorite player Frank who uh, who tore it up then, and, and he kind of led the pace for the for the Hornets there. And he was the one that hit the three that gave us the lead. Um, interesting, uh, James Harden going for a triple double. Uh, you probably read up on this, but he was a assist shy in the fourth quarter. And you could almost see that he was kind of chasing that last assist. Oh, sure. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, we got to give some credit to that, but I think we should give some credit to Charlotte's bench uh, with Hawes and Kaminsky uh, coming back in that fourth quarter as well. So I don't want to give all the credit to uh, you know Houston just, or I guess Harden just state you know chasing that stat, but mm-hmm. it's, it's probably a mixture of both. Yeah, 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 no doubt. I mean, and I actually did get to go back, Richie, and and watch the second half of this game, and I actually got to break it down a little bit yesterday. So um, I'm gonna write a little bit about that um, Sunday, maybe into Monday. Uh, some interesting things, really, in the Hornets' uh, late game uh, execution, offensively and defensively. We we saw just give you a little sneak peek. We saw a very small Hornets lineup have a lot of success 
defensively against one of the best offenses, if not the best offense in the league. So kind of stay tuned for that. Um, yeah, so let's let's talk about a few things specifically about this game. One of them is, and you mentioned this, and I think this is smart. So the Hornets starting really slow um, in the first quarter. It's kind of it's been a problem for them all year. Offensively, I think they they, they come in at like 14th. Uh, in offensive efficiency in the first quarter throughout the league. Defensively, Richie, it's, it's a different story. They have almost a defensive rating of 108. It's 107.8 to be specific in the first quarter. That's got to put uh, them like in the top five, wouldn't you think? Well, no, I mean, oh. they have a defensive rating of 107.8. That puts them at 21st oh. in the first quarter of all teams. So kind of to your point, um, they struggle in the first quarter to get going. And, this this Charlotte team they have done well offensively this year, you know all things considered. But this has always been a team under Steve Clifford that gains the momentum by getting stops, right? So they don't create a whole lot of fast break opportunities, but they play better offensively when they're getting stops. That's always the way I've watched Hornets, Steve Clifford teams um, play, and how they feed off of themselves is on the defensive end. So. That stat right there, and I'm and I'm glad you mentioned this earlier, uh, is really interesting. I found that a little bit surprising uh, that it's that low uh, in the first quarter of games. Yeah, sir. I thought you were saying offensive rating of 107. So yeah, so a defensive rating of 107. Yeah, that that's, that's uh, yeah, right. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, sorry. So I, yeah, exactly. I might have said it backwards. So offensively, they actually are about where they are for league average across four quarters. Uh, in in the first quarter, they're about a hundred. I don't know what the rating is for the season, but it's about the same thing in the first quarter. So I think that puts them in like thirteenth in the league. But defensively, in the first quarter, they're twenty first or twenty second at one hundred and seven point eight of a rating, which is not good. Wow. Yeah. I mean that, like you said, our, our defense kind of, you know, it translates over to our offense. That if we're not playing, you know, well that well on defense, and uh, it's going to definitely affect our our offensive side. And, and Clifford likes to start. Uh, with defense, like he he, that's kind of how he chooses his his lineups in mind. It, it's defense first, and then the fourth quarter, uh, he'll switch it up and try to get some offense. So it, that's kind of surprising stat to me, but we've seen it all year, uh, and even yeah. even with Kemba too as well. I looked up this stat: uh, his offensive rating by half. Um, in the in the first half, it's a one hundred four, and then in the second half, it's a one fourteen. That that's that's a huge jump, a huge jump to me. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's it's ten points right there. So, yeah, and it's and it's kind of that thing. Like you're, this team's digging themselves out of holes, you know. And, and Kimba has to take on the the load uh, of that comeback uh, almost every single time. But it, I don't know. It's confusing. I mean, if you just watch the team play early in games this year for whatever reason. Um, the intensity is just not there. No, you know, it's like they're. I don't want to. Timid's not the right word, but. They're just easing themselves into these ball games, um, and they don't. They don't. I don't know. It doesn't look like five guys that really come in from the tip with that same chip on their shoulder that maybe I saw last year and even the year before. Um, so you know this deteriorate this deterioration of the defense it is bothersome, and and it really does make you wonder you know, why it is that way or what's happening. Um, You know, it's certainly not a lack of attention to it from Clifford's side. So which makes you think you have to point towards the leadership of this team. Who, who has the biggest voice in that locker room? I mean, I think it's gotta be Kevin Marvin, right? Exactly. I think it has to be Kevin. I think think it has to be Marvin Williams. 
Um, you would think Michael K. Gilchrist, you know, especially with how hard he plays, you know, is talking talking this up in the locker room. So you you wonder why it isn't turning around. Um, tonight's a great opportunity for it to turn around. We'll talk about that a little later. But something to keep an eye on is the Hornets' defensive struggles so far this season in the in the first quarter. Um, all right, so when you kind of said it a minute ago, Kim is first half versus, versus the second half. Um, again, in Houston, you know, he displayed that same thing. I mean, I watched the first half, and Richie, I thought he was disinterested almost. I mean, I, I have not seen Kimba get trapped like that in ball screen situations so consistently uh, all year. And Houston was very aggressive trapping the ball screen, but Kimba has dusted that kind of defensive action all right. year whether it be him attacking the hedge man's hip and going around it or splitting it. Um, he's been really good at that all year. I mean, it's, it's 50% of the reason that he's, bro- you know, he's broken down defenses, and a lot of times you can't come to trap that, and you kind of have to live with his defender chasing him off the ball screen and the other guy sitting low and just trying to get a hand up you know, if he does pull that shot. But I was really surprised the success that Houston, uh, not a great defensive team, not, no, as, not, bad as, everyone, not as bad as everyone thought they were going to be, but the success they had against him, and that's why I made the observation. You know, Kemba seems a little disinterested, minus Hitler, or minus Zeller, minus Batum. Maybe he's just out there going through the motions. Second half was way different. Right, and I think maybe as the game got closer, he had the urgency to play a little bit better in the second half, and I think that's just kind of a, a team thing. Like, it, like you were talking about, we're just kind of going through the motions, and not until we're down by, you know, 15 points do we realize, oh, we got to turn it on on defense instead of turning it on from the get-go. And I saw some of the videos that you had posted on Twitter with the way that he was he was splitting the the uh, the traps in the second the second half. And I I didn't really keep much eye on this and the observations that you had were, were definitely good. Um and I like I said, I was kind of half watching it just because the Rockets were just shooting so well, so well, and every time it went in, I just, you know, my, my jaw was dropping, and I didn't think that we'd have a chance. But you definitely saw Kimba pick it up in the third quarter. We just wish that the whole team had this urgency from the get go, so that we're not having to dig ourselves out of these quarters or out of these uh, deficits mm-hmm. come third quarter. Yeah, so I'm going to ask you a question. I mean, and this is what I'm asking myself as I'm watching the first half in Houston the other night. If this I mean, yes, I'm somewhat guessing, okay, that Kim is kind of just kind of out there going through the motions. But he he didn't look like a guy who's going 100%. He kind of looked like a guy that said, look, I'm without Seller. I'm without my partner in crime, Nick Batum. Like, we're playing one of the best offenses in the league on the road. Like, let's can we just get this game over with? Like, can we just can we run this you know, out as quickly as possible? And so I kind of think there's some validity to, to what I'm saying. Yeah. But my question is, you know, you're – Kimba's health is the most important thing in this entire team. If he's with that, I mean, why why even run him out there, right? Like, if if that's your leader's attitude, and it switched in the second half, and the Hornets got back into it, and I'm not trying to burn Kimba here. I'm not. But, that, like, the communication between Steve, Steve Clifford and Kimba Walker, it, it, it tells me there's not as much there as there should be. Do you see what I'm trying to get at, Richie? Like, if he's going to go into the game with that attitude, right, right. and go 75%, that don't run him out there. Like just, just leave him. Let him get a night of rest. Take the L. This is not a game you expect to win, anyways. You're without your two, your next two most important right. players. Uh, I don't know. I, I just kind of feel like, why is he out there if that's what we're going to get from the tip? And it, it, again, as much credit as you should give to him and the Hornets for getting back in that game, you know, 
part of the reason they that big of a hole they had to dig themselves out of was kind of the way that Kimball was managing this game in the first half. So yeah, I mean, I think that he might have just you know in his mind, I, I'm not inside his mind, but he might have chalked it up to a loss. So he he was thinking, okay, without Batum, without Zeller, uh, this game has become you know ten times more difficult than it already was. Um, why go you know why go 100 percent if if it's not it's not going to result in a win and I to be honest with you I even contemplated taking him out in the third or fourth quarter uh, when we were down by double digits and then when he came in about midway through the fourth is kind of when we started making that comeback but again too late too late I know he took the lead in the fourth but we need to have this urgency from the get go and it and it all starts with Kemba. I'm glad you didn't take him out, Richie, because the Hornets did uh, <laughs> they did come back and, and put up a real fight. But again, it comes up just short. All right, so last thing let's touch on in this game, um, the Frank Kaminsky uh, play, which was – it was – yeah, I think it was his best game of the season. Is that I, fair? I, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, the, the one takeaway I have, and, and there's been a lot of conversation on, on Twitter this week about this um, – Frank has a lot of value, and he displayed it in this game um, as clearly as he has all season. If he has a specific role within the offense, and he's getting touches around the basket, um, he can be he can have an effect, a positive effect on the floor. Okay, and and I watched him defend his tail off um, there in the fourth quarter as the Hornets are making that comeback. Um, he was engaged into the game. It was a confident Frank Kaminsky I have not seen all year long. Okay, and, and I think the reason for that is the sole reason is because he had a specific role in the offense. You saw plenty of times Kim was bringing the ball down the court. Ramon's bringing it down. Kaminsky's in there. If you watch Clifford, he's at 44, 44, Frank Kaminsky's number. They run a little, a little stagger cross screen for him. They get it to him on the left block or the right block, and he goes to work. If he's engaged and he knows – that the offense is going through him on, let's say, with the bench unit 50% of the time, he's out there and he's driven and he's into the game on both ends. It's just the kind of player he is. He's a scorer. He's an initiator. He's a distributor when he needs to be. But he gets going on the offensive end by having offense run through him. Okay, and I've been trying to make this point for a long time. Um, just watch him tonight. I, I don't know how the rotations are going to go. I don't know if Clifford will try that small ball lineup again and kind of give him some of those touches late in the game. But he's a completely different player when some stuff is going through him offensively, Richie. And I think in Houston the other night that was displayed as much as I've really ever seen it displayed in his career, to be right. honest. I mean, so basically what you're saying is if he's not all that involved in the offense and, and he's like a fourth option out there, uh, he's not going to be playing at his best. And I mean that could be true. That's a good observation. He just floats. He just floats. You know, he. Yeah. I don't really know that he knows how to play basketball like that. You know, right. and, and right. that's not that. There's a lot of guys in the league that are like that. I mean, they have to have the ball in their hands. Offense has to be run through them. Um, I don't know if that's in Charlotte for Frank Kaminsky, but there are plenty of teams that he could help out there, and he's good enough to help. But don't don't have him out there if you're not going to run stuff for him. And that's right. not a, that's not a shot against Frank, just the kind of player he is, and that's okay. But Clifford's going to have to, if he's still in this roster, and we don't know how much longer that's going to be. It might be long term, but they've got to find a way to get him touches with the ball going to the basket to score. Well, it might have had a lot to do with the situation with Batum and, and um, Zeller out, so he probably was seen higher up on on the pecking order here when it comes to offense. Oh, sure, it did. Yeah. yeah, there's no doubt. So, yeah, yeah, but. But that's the thing is how does Cliff now, Batum and Zeller are back. Hopefully they're back for the long term here. 
how does how does Clifford continue to get him touches? Right? You can't if you're if you're going to let that guy just run around and float offensively. Then don't don't have him on the floor because well, you're not getting anything out of him. Well, right? if you know one thing about Clifford, I feel like he's he's somewhat stubborn, uh, and he he's very you know he sticks to his ways. So when everyone's healthy, it's to me, based off your observation, it sounds like he probably is just going to go back to his old ways with with Frank, and that might not be the best for for Frank, or it's not definitely not going to be best for the Hornets. So, um, if we need to move him, we get. We, I mean, and, and he's not going to thrive in our offensive system. Um, I mean, tonight might be the best example to see how it how it happens. So, we'll see. I mean, he he did a great job in the fourth quarter, scoring thirteen points. Uh, and what surprised me the most was the way he shot the ball from three. Yeah, he, I mean, he was he, he took nine threes, I think, uh, for the game. He shot it with confidence. You know, we've seen a lot of Frank this year where he catches it with a guy closing out on him, and he just he won't pull the trigger. You know, it's like he he doesn't want to take the shot. He did not look like that in Houston the other night. Um, so, you know, you certainly hope that the confidence uh, continues for Frank, and you hope that Clifford can find a way to keep him engaged within the offensive system. But you're right, Richie. If I don't think he's a great fit for this roster. Um, but there are some there are some ways to fix that. We'll see if that happens. If it doesn't, um, I, I fully expect uh, a lot of trade calls involving Frank Kaminsky's name. So we'll continue to to watch that. Uh, and we are well, we're about a month and ten days from from the trade deadline. So it is it is closing in here. Um, all right. Anything else on Houston? I think we're good. I think we've covered it all between Kaminsky's play, uh, the the slower starts, and everything like that. It kind of encapsulated all all there. Okay. All right. So uh, we'll move on and kind of stay with this rotational uh, conversation that that we're having uh, with the bench guys. Uh, Spencer Halls was awesome uh, in Houston the other night. And I think we saw really what that guy brings to the offense uh, opposed to Roy Hibbert. Um, And he was he was a very integral part in, in that comeback. So is it time to make the switch and give Hawes Roy Hibbert's minutes? I, I'm gonna say yes. I, I think it is time, and I I was uh, I had thoughts about this probably I don't know three weeks ago, and I think the difference is is that, is that Hibbert why he was brought in here uh, was obviously to defend the rim, get some blocks, uh, be on the back end of our defense, and kind of be that eraser. Uh, but he to me he's not offering that, uh, especially with our bench unit who. I've mentioned last podcast, uh, our wing defenders aren't the greatest, so he's going to see a lot of action at the rim. Uh, but I'm just not seeing his, his defensive presence as I thought I would uh, coming into mm-hmm. the year. And Spencer, when he's out there, Hawes, that is, um, he just makes, I think he just makes the, the offense run a little bit better. I think that, you know, the assists go up, we get easier looks. Um, and, and to be honest with you, the defense, I know he's not the greatest defender out there, but I don't see much of a difference with him out there uh, compared to Hibbert. I guess the last thing that I'm going to say is is I I would be nice to have a rim protector in the playoffs like we didn't have last year, but I'm just not sure if Hibbert's going to be that person. I'm not I'm not I'm not positive that he can return to that form. He's just is so so slow. All right, so. I agree with you. I do think it's time to give Hawes at least more of those minutes, especially late in games. Um, you know, now that Zeller's back, it's it, it's a different conversation. But yeah, I don't know if I'm compl- ready to completely turn over the reins to, to Spencer Hawes ahead of Roy Hibbert, but I'm close. I mean, I think we're at the point where like those minutes need to be split fifty flip fifty, yeah. and Clifford needs to 
he needs to have an answer right by the all-star break. Um, I think he got some time to play with it, but I just, I, I don't know. Like the play in the playoffs, it changes because the floor shrinks. It's a lot more half court. There's a lot more action going to the basket in terms of driving to score and not drive and kick. You know, it just, the game just gets more physical. So I still think that like there can be a role for Roy Hibbert on a playoff team. Um, I don't know if that's in Charlotte, but but right now, Hibbert is bringing nothing to the floor for Charlotte. Uh, they don't throw in the ball offensively. <laughs> and I mean, you know, they, they literally won't pass him the ball. And he has, I mean, he's not a good finisher, obviously, but if you're going to have him out there, he's 7'2", he, and he's, you know, he, he can move anybody who's trying to guard him. So just give him one or two post touches, right? You know, while right. he's out there. Um, and just make the defense come in there and dig on the ball or bring one more defender to shade the help. I mean, if he's just out there running around, he's not a good enough screener, Richie, and he can't move on the roll sprinting to the rim to draw any defensive gravity. So on the offensive end, he's a zero. Defensively, you know, even if he's guarding a guy, say, like, uh, I, I don't know, name a center who doesn't stretch the floor all the way to the three-point line, a guy like Cody Zeller. So even if he's guarding a guy who marginally stretches the floor to the short corner area, Hibbert, he, he cannot move out there to guard that guy and then get back to protect the rim on a drive. He just literally can't move. I mean, he looks like he's just his knees are just going to shatter in, in any second. So, I mean, the guy, he, he just can't cover space, and there's too much space in the way that the game is played now. Um, and it's, to be honest with you, it's kind of sad to watch. I mean, he, he, he just can't move, you know, so he doesn't bring anything. So I was actually surprised to find this today though. I looked up what Hawes was giving to the defense in terms of efficiency and what Hibbert was. It has to be um, close or maybe I'm it's totally close. off. It's, it's a little better with Hawes out there. No actually. way. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a hundred, it's about 107. Uh, when Hibbert's on the floor uh, this season, it's about 106.2 with Hawes. They've played really, really close to the same amount of minutes on average. Right. Um, uh, it's you know right in 15, the 15, 16 area. You know, Hawes kind of reminds me. Well, number one, he can move better on pick and rolls. He has gotten better in getting in a stance. You know, he's never going to come all the way to the level of the screen. He's going to sag under it. It's it's the same effect the Al Jefferson effect I mean right they set Jefferson so low under those ball screens and just invited that mid-range jump shot or even kind of if Kimba or whoever got hung on the screen they just said okay take the three we'll live with it you're not getting to the rim um when Hawes is out there it's just gonna have to be the same defensive approach right he's just gonna have to sit very low below the screen and you're just gonna have to invite that jump shot um it's worked under Clifford before so you know I that's really the reason. I mean, you look at those numbers, it's been a little better with Halls in the first place defensively this year. Still bad, but better than Hibbert. <laughs> um, and then I think you have a formula um, to use a, you know, a deficient center, defensive center. I mean, we've seen him, do, again, do it with Jefferson in the past. I think you can get away with it with Halls for the time being for 15 to 20 minutes. A right. Game. On a limited, limited uh, play time. Yes, we can get away with it. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think we've answered the question. I think it is time to at least give Hawes, you know, again, 50% of those Hibbert minutes, if not more than that. So that'll be very – that's actually the, what I'm most interested in going into tonight. Now that we're back at full strength, right? Um, you know, that, that second center off the bench, who's he going to be? Is he going to go to Hawes or is he going to stay uh, stubborn here and, and go with Hibbert? So continue to watch that. Um, 
so the all-star voting we've seen two ballots now um both of them made me want to pull my hair out uh the second one came out yesterday kimba is again ninth still um for guards in the eastern conference um he looked like a lock a few really three four weeks ago a month ago richie and all of a sudden it's almost looking like he's the kim is going to be on the outside looking in I think he is. I think he is. And I and every time every time I see those votes come out, it just it just hurts me because uh, even in some of my posts that was that I was writing with uh, Queen City Hoops, I I kind of alluded to the fact that Kemba was going to be in New Orleans this year. But I I think his chances are, are slowly slowly fading away. And, and and here's why. Okay, if if you look at the the starters, um, two guards obviously for the East, and those two right now are Wade and Kyrie. Both of both of those players, I think, are below Kemba in terms of performance. So, if they win this fan vote, and I mean, I guess it's not strictly a fan vote. It's fifty percent fans, twenty five percent media, twenty five percent players. Uh, that will take into account, if I'm not mistaken, the starters. So, the starters as of today is are Wade and, and Kyrie. Like I said, so think about it this way: when it comes to March Madness, with, with those like lower conference teams. Uh, you want you want the conference leader of those lower conference teams to win the tournament because if not, they're going to be stealing a spot some, from some of those bubble teams. And with Wade and Kyrie, the starters, that leaves four more guards. I think six is the max that they put on a team. Uh, I could be totally off on this, but I thought it was six. So that would leave DeRozan, Wall, Lowry, uh, Thomas, and Kemba. That's five. Mm-hmm fighting for those final four spots. So the issue is, to me, the biggest hurdle is are those starters right there. Wade should not be in the All-Star game over uh, over Kemba. And to my, in my opinion, Kyrie shouldn't either. I mean, I, I, I will give you the other point guards, um, you know, Wall, uh, Kyrie, I'm not Kyrie, Lowry, Isaiah. Uh, I'll give you I'll give you those. Uh, but those other two, that's, that's just going to be a big hurdle for Kemba. Yeah, I mean you're on it. I think that within that 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 kind of group of six that I think you can argue, you know, over. I think goes Isaiah has kind of separated himself, but um, yeah, Kimba and Kyrie are debatable. But Dwayne Wade, Jeremy Lin, who has he? I mean, he's played how many games this season? Ten, maybe. I don't know. I mean, oh, it's, yeah, I it's, forgot it's, he was up there. Yeah, that's crazy. Ridiculous. And Rose is ahead of him. So Dwayne Wade, Jeremy Lin, and Derrick Rose are all ahead of Kimba Walker, which is which is so stupid. It's a popularity contest. Yeah, well, you know what? Take the stupid vote away from the fans. I mean, I, I'm I'm tired of it. Like, I don't get that into this All Star Game voting stuff. No, for this exact reason, because it's stupid. I mean, it is. You're right. It's a popularity contest. Zaza Bachulia is number two amongst bigs in the Western Conference because his home country started a campaign for him. It's it's stupid. The system is broken. So so take it away from the fans. I know you want to appease the fans and please them and make them feel engaged. But you're exactly right. It's a popularity contest, and it's so stupid. So I mean, and it keeps guys out that have made huge improvements and right. jumps in their career. Kimball Walker being the perfect example. And because we have this stupid system set up. To pat the you know fans on the back and make them feel important and make them feel like they're part of something, which they're not. All right, yes, I'm going on a rant, but this is ridiculous. It's stupid. The the guy, the people that actually watch basketball and not the average fan who gets online and hashtags NBA vote <laughs> twice a year. Okay, understand who belongs in. The players understand it. The coaches understand it. Most of the media members understand it. So 
you know, I, I hate it. A lot of people are probably going to get angry at me for going on this rant. But Adam Silver, it's time to fix it. Take the vote or at least drop the amount of percentage that the fan vote counts. You have to because this is just so stupid, and it's it's going to make All-Star Weekend and especially the All-Star Game really a moot point if this continues. So, right. you know, and I, again, I never get that into it, but now that I see what's happening to Kimball Walker here, yeah, it stirs up some emotions for me. So, Ex- yeah. Especially with last year where he was, he was kind of borderline All-Star, and this year, uh, minus Wade and Kyrie, he should be one of the, the top six guards from the East that should be in there. So, yeah, the fan so voting definitely. Well, that, yeah, no yeah. question. Yeah. yeah, that's just what it is, and it, I don't know. I just feel like if you can't see it that way, then we probably don't need to talk. <laughs> so don't hit me up about this guy, about this uh, topic. So you don't expect him to make it now, do you? No, I don't. Yeah, he's, I think he's Wayne not. Wade's gonna. Yeah, you know, I, I don't. I think Jeremy Lin will get. I mean, here's the thing, Richie. I don't understand the process after fan voting enough to know, like, like. I think it's how just coaches. Much, I, is it just coaches or is yeah. it coaches and players? Oh, I thought it was just coaches. I think that, maybe you're right. Maybe I you're think right. that yeah. the the fans vote for the starters, uh, and the coaches uh, bring in the reserves. But like I said, I think oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I think it's okay. just six guards though. That's the issue with when you have Kyrie and Wade starting. They're the ones that are taking spots from more deserving players. Well, then there's no way because Dwayne Wade's second in voting exactly amongst guards in the Eastern Conference. So there's he's not dropping. Out of the starting five, yeah, because it ends what Monday, I think. I don't, I don't know. Well, yeah, <laughs> you don't. Care. I don't know, and I'm gonna try to not pay attention to it anymore because it's it's so it's just stupid. Um, all right, so it, it's not looking great for Kimba. We'll, we'll hope that um he can really go on a tear and get one of those reserve spots here in the next few weeks. But um, so keep voting out there though. I mean, keep keep hashtag an NBA vote and, and tagging Kim's name next to it. So let's try our best to get him in, but it ain't looking good right now. Nope. Um, all right. So tonight, Richie, um, the Nick Batoon update, let's just quickly dive into that. He will be back tonight for the Hornets. He will start. Uh, Cody Zeller also back. So huge news. Let's, let's talk about this game really quickly. Is this a must-win? I think it is. With everyone healthy, um, I can only imagine if, if we lost this game, dropped to 500 with everyone healthy, I mean, minus Lamb, uh, but in the grand scheme of things, Lamb is, is not that big of a part to our team in terms of uh, wins and losses here. Um, it would drop us to 500. We would probably be maybe 7th or 8th, drop down to the bottom half or the bottom of that Eastern Conference playoff situation, and, and people would start to panic, and I, and I would probably yeah. be one of them. Um, I don't know exactly where I would fall on the panic meter, maybe like a 7.5 or an 8, uh, mm-hmm. because this is it's not looking good for us, especially in this month of January, in which we've already started off bad. And here's another thing, Spencer. The schedule coming up is not much easier. I know that we play Golden State, I think, a couple times, uh, Toronto, Boston, Washington. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's not going to get easier for us. So, yeah, I, I guess must win. Uh, sometimes it's thrown around a lot, but... If we if we lose this game, there's going to be a lot of panic around Charlotte. Uh, yeah, there's no doubt about that. Uh, and, and unfortunately, you get Philly. Um, I think probably playing their best basketball of the season. Again, we're not going to talk about this game very long because we are recording this on a Friday night. Um, so you know, you guys are going to be listening to this tomorrow, and you're already going to know the result. But but I agree. I mean, I, I really do. I kind of posted that on Twitter. Um, you know, right before I got home, I thought that I don't know the Hornets have had a must-win game all season, but I think this is as close 
uh, as, they, as they've seen to it. So Batum is back, Zeller's back, uh, both in the starting lineup. So we can hope that the Hornets get back on track tonight as they are almost at full health. Jeremy Lamb did not travel with the team, and he will not play tonight. Um, but, yeah, you're right, Richie, too. I mean, it, schedule doesn't get easier. I mean, if you lose tonight, you got to go to Boston Monday. You lose at Boston, you're under 500 and, and maybe out of the top eight in the Eastern Conference. Um then you go Portland, Toronto, Brooklyn, Washington at home. Uh, yeah, I think you can get three of those four, but then uh, you got another West Coast trip not very far into the future that includes Portland, Golden State, and Utah, all very tough opponents in the Western Conference, all playoff teams in the Western Conference right now. So the Hornets the Hornets need this game tonight against an inferior opponent. Uh, yeah. There's there's zero doubt about that. All right, Richie. So we're going to hand out some midseason uh, awards, and I know you you kind of pitched this to me and put these together. So I'm going to let you uh, I'm let you present them and, and kind of start with with yours. Oh, so you want me to go through all of them? Not gonna, we're not going to go one by one here. Well, yeah, let's do one at a time. I'll just kind of oh. let you present them. Okay, so yeah, the midseason awards here. Uh, we're probably what 40 games in here, so we're close enough to the to the midway point. Uh, here uh, in the NBA season. Uh, by the time we get to our next podcast, uh, we would have passed that halfway point. So we're going to go over a couple awards. Um, the first award that we're going to get to is the most improved player. Um, this player could have been you know, on our team last year or not. Uh, they just have to have shown the greatest strides. Uh, then we have the best bench contributor. Uh, so someone off the bench that has, has provided a lot of punch for us, uh, whether on offense or defense. Uh, and then we have an award, I guess it's an award, uh, the most disappointing player award, uh, meaning someone that, or at least I define it, someone who I had high hopes for, uh, but they turned out not to be uh, where I expected them to be. And then we're going to end with the, the the biggest one, the MVP award for our team. Uh, so the first award that I, we're going to give out here at BuzzBeat uh, is the most improved player. Uh, and... To me, this was one of the easier awards that, that I had to choose from. I think the next one probably was my, my easiest one. But the most improved player I would give to Cody Zeller. Uh, I think that he has become a, a bigger part of our offense, uh, way more involved. I, mean, I know that he was you know, strictly a screen setter last year and worked well with Batum, and a lot of his baskets came off assists from Batum. Uh, but it seems like you know our, our offense doesn't necessarily run through Cody, but a lot of it is... Um, is predicated on his screen setting ability, um, and he does. He just gets overlooked on the def- defensive end as well. Um, he probably has one of our best defensive ratings. I don't know off the top of my head on the on the team. He's just in a very efficient scorer as well. He's shooting close to sixty percent from the field. Um, he hasn't developed the mid range shot, uh, but we're still getting by without him stretching the floor, um, even in those pick and roll situations. So rebounding, screen setting, underrated on defense, very efficient from the floor. You wouldn't know. Um, he was out there half the time, but he he is very integral in in to our success on offense, and he's seen you know jumps in almost every category. Look, Richie, I, I literally could not agree with you more. Um, Cody Zeller, and look, I was on record uh, this this past summer, kind of saying, "Hey, here's the guy I'm worried about." Uh, on Nate Duncan's uh, dunked on podcast, you know, I said it, and the fans got after me, and they should have got after me because you know I was I was not extremely high on Cody Zeller. I wondered. You know, if the Hornets would extend him, which they did, and I, I wondered if he's the long-term answer at center. Um, yeah, I don't know if he's the long-term answer, but this guy is unbelievable on both ends, and it's unbelievable how much better this team operates with him out there. Um, and the coolest part about his development, Richie, to me is this. 
you know, he's so good with Kimball, which we've talked about a lot in the pick and roll, knowing when to slip the screen. You know, he rolls <laughs> with a speed of fury going downhill. When he catches the ball, this is the coolest part, when he catches the ball, he can still improve with making that decision. Okay, my footwork, I got two steps from here to get to the rim with that help defender coming in to stop me. I got to dribble if I need it, right? And then two steps to get to the rim. That's where Zeller still has room for improvement. I mean, he's added the little floater. You know, when, when that defender's already in front, he doesn't want to take the charge. He's got the little floater. Um, you know, he can get to the rim, obviously, if there's no help and finish with authority or even if that help is a split second late or tying him, getting to the rim, he can finish through that. But when that defender is is there, I want to see Zeller develop some better footwork to catch, face that guy. He can go around him with a, with a Euro step. He can spin off of him to the other side and use his left hand. You know what I mean? There's a lot of bigs in the league. I think you're going to see one tonight, Joel Embiid. Watch that guy's footwork, folks. It's unbelievable how good it is. If Zeller can make a jump similar to that, so when he's going downhill and that help defender's there, he can still punish you, right? And we've already seen him be able to throw it out for an open three to the weak side. So, But, man, I tell you what, he is really, really fun to watch, and I am excited that he's back in the lineup uh, tonight. So I couldn't agree with you more on the most improved player. All right, very good. So we're going to move on to the best uh, bench contributor. Uh, this, to me, was the easiest one of the the night here. Uh, it's got to go with Marco Bellinelli. Um, I think he surprised a lot of people uh, when we traded for him. A lot of people were upset that we even acquired him in the first place. But you and I have talked about this, you know, on some of our earlier episodes that we we actually agreed with the trade and, and, and we needed him because without him this year, I can only imagine how bad our bench unit would be, especially on the offensive end. Uh, we would we would be terrible. Uh, he has brought us back in games before. Um, I, I, the New Orleans game, I, I, we didn't win the game, but that performance was, was one of his better ones. Um, and he's having a career year uh, from the three-point line. So best bench contributor to me, hands down, is Marco Bellinelli. Um, yeah, we're going to agree again. I know that's boring. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, he's been unbelievable. And we've talked about this, you know, th- this year already as well. I mean, the Hornets uh, won this trade in a landslide, you know, taking him from Sacramento, got a guy who's ready to contribute immediately, you know, for a Malachi Richardson uh, draft pick that is, is in the D league right now for Sacramento. Um, of course, everybody ripped it uh, when we made the trade. Um, but yeah, he's been unbelievable. Like you said, he's having a career year shooting the ball. Um, he hasn't been as good recently. He's, I think, he, since he's kind of returned from um, the the injury, which was what was he out a few two games, three games, Richie, something like that. Maybe so, three or four, yeah. Yeah, maybe it was three or four. So, so you know, really, I think since he returned from that, he hasn't been quite as good. But I mean, he really is. <laughs> he might be the only reason, not the only reason, but he's the large portion of the reason that our bench has even <laughs> been a half of a real NBA bench uh, for a better part of the first half of the season. Um, and it's not because he's out there um, with a lot of guys that make the game easier for him. You know what I mean? He's just making unbelievably tough shots. Um, and he's done it at such a consistent clip that it's it's amazing to watch. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think we all obviously wish this award went to more of like a Jeremy Lamb or a Michael K. Gilchrist. I mean, they're the two guys on this roster that – Every single year, I feel like people are just foaming at the mouth for them to improve, you know, and show that they've added things. Um, not yet, but yeah, I think we both agree here. It's definitely Marco Bellinelli. 
All right. I hope we don't go four for four on agreeing. Yeah, we're going to. No, I, no, I don't think we will. No, oh, I really don't. Okay. Yeah, I, I might have a surprise here. Okay. All right. So we're moving on to award number three uh, for the BuzzBeat podcast. Uh, the most disappointing player. Um, I am going to go with Frank Kaminsky. Now, when I looked at this award, it was based on my personal expectations of this player. So if someone didn't have the high expectations that I did, then obviously it wouldn't disappoint you. But I had much higher expectations uh, for Frank Kaminsky, not necessarily on the defensive end, but on offense. I thought that he would we would see a step up in his shooting. Uh, in actuality, we've seen a step down. Uh, he's shooting twenty, I think twenty twenty nine or twenty eight percent from three, uh, which is not good. Uh, we need him to be more in in, in the thirty five, thirty six range uh, for him to be consistently effective. Now we saw him play very well, Houston, but that has been you know few and far between with Frank. Um, that's kind of like the outlier there. So that that to me is the most disappointing uh, player. I did debate over a couple of others, but to me. I had higher hopes, and the difference between my hopes and the performance was the greatest when it came to Kaminsky in my eyes. Yeah, this is this is a tough one. Uh, I, I, you know, you could go with a lot of different guys on this roster. I, I'm going to go with Michael K. Gilchrist. Um, you know, it it upsets me, it makes me sad, but you know, it, he's played 38 of 38 games this season, so. Horns played 38. He's been in every single one of them, and he started every single one of them. That's a win, but the stats are, are not good at all. Um, you know, he's averaging you know just shy of nine points a game. He's shooting a career low in field goal percentage of 45. He's getting to the line a lot less than he has in the past. Um, you know, I mean, he's rebounding the ball at a lower clip than he actually did two years ago uh, when he played 55 games that season. You know, I, I'm worried. I'm worried about, uh, you know, MKG. Uh, I know defensively, Richie, I know you're a proponent of, of what he brings, and I agree with you. You know, I think he's a great defender. I, I, I think it's starting to become a little bit hype. Um, you know, if he's that good of a defender, I, I think that he's going to have more success at, at stopping guys opposed to kind of constantly getting torched. Um, and it's a hard, you know, it's a hard conversation. It's a hard topic to talk about because he plays with so much energy and he plays so hard and he leaves it all out there every single night. And that's so easy to see. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know that MKG is as physically imposing, you know, as, as the media and, and coaches and that we have really all collectively you know, made him out to be for a number of years. Look, he's still young. I still love watching him play as much as any guy on this roster, again, because of his energy. But, you know, offensively, it, I got to be honest, I, I don't know that he hadn't gotten worse, you know. And um, and this was the year that I think we all really hope to see um, some real improvement. The year's not over, you know, and, and, and he's trying to get more comfortable with that mid-range jumper. And I, I think we, you know, you see spurts, right? You see games where he's, he's letting that thing go, you know, with that defender right there. And he's trying to just shoot the ball and not think about it. Just let it go. Shoot it. Um but it's a real mental battle for Michael K. Gilchrist out there um, because he knows how many deficiencies he, he has, and he has to make up so much of his value on the defensive end going against the best offensive players in the league on a nightly basis, and they're getting the better of him. I mean, I, I right. Richie, I'm worried that, that it's getting to him. I'm worried that his confidence is, is, is maybe has plateaued, and it's really going to be hard for 
anyone to build that back up. I mean, losing Mark Price on that uh, on that coaching staff the year last year was was the worst thing that's happened to Michael K. Gilchrist's career and his jump shot. So I'm not panicking, but uh, but I think he's been the most disappointing player this year so far. And wow. uh, yeah, and I'm concerned. Well, uh, you you can definitely see his frustrations out there on defense. Uh, you know, he's he's trying his best. And one thing that I mentioned before that um, I, I, he doesn't do too well when it comes to screens. I feel like because he's such a physical player, I think he like enjoys trying to fight through that screen uh, when it's not necessary. When you're five feet, you know, out from the three point line, when it's just easier to go under. Um, and then he also he's getting a calls, a lot of calls going against him, in which I don't think he's fouling the guy, and and I would agree with with him. But he he's getting frustrated out there when he's getting a lot of fouls called on him because he is. He is physical. Like he likes, you know, he's not going to just sit back and allow you to do your thing. He's going to, you know, put his hands on you a little bit. So, yeah, I, I can definitely see that that side. So, we're going to move on to MVP. You ready for it? I'm ready. Okay. So, this one um, to me was was one of the easier ones, but I will say that I did have some like runner ups. And actually, to be honest with you, my second and third were probably closer than you would you would think. So, my MVP um, is is Kimba Walker. I think it just adds so much value to our team. Uh, and I debated between him and Batum. And then I did have a third one uh, with Cody Zeller. To be honest with you, I, don't, I think he does get overlooked. But anyway, Kimball Walker, I think he just adds so much to our team. I think without him, um, you know, we haven't, we haven't, I think he's played every single game. So, I mean, we don't know, and I hope we don't know. But I think without him, our, our wins would go drastically down. I think our offense uh, would look drastically worse. Uh, when things go bad on offense, we know who we can turn to, and that is, that is Kimball Walker. Uh, his shooting ability has gone up since he's entered the league every single year. Uh, he's gotten better at attacking the pick and rolls. Um, and I was just looking up the stat today. Um, so the great he has the greatest on-off difference of any Hornet. So this is what I mean. So when he's on the court uh, in regards to offensive rating, uh, he's at a 113. When he's off the court... Uh, I believe our offensive rating is at 110. So there's a difference there. And then even when he steps off the court, um, our defense actually gets worse, which you, I mean, I guess with Ramon Sessions, I guess that's not that much of a surprise. But so he has the greatest, I guess, difference. And Batum and, and Zeller are up there as well. So even opposing teams' offensive rating gets a little bit better when he steps off the court. And I think sometimes he does get overlooked on that defensive end. He's not the greatest by any means, but he works. he works hard on that end. So... MVP for me, Kimball Walker, um, one of one of my easier decisions, but I'm sure you could disagree here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I like your point there at the end about the defense. And just because you look at him and he's a small guy doesn't mean he's not a good defender. I mean, the one thing, Richie, to your point is the you don't beat Kimball Walker off the dribble very often, right? So he's very good at containing the basketball and keeping it in front of him, and that makes everybody's job easier behind him. Um, so, no, he's not the defense. Anchor, but he's the first line of defense, and and he's really good in that role, Richie. And that you know, one of the things that was a big knock on Kemba, you know, for the first three or four years of his career, I would say, is him just constantly getting destroyed on ball screens and just getting you know getting hung up on ball screens, getting you know bouncing off the guy and not seeing the screen coming. And half of that is you know is the head defender's fault, not communicating to him. But yeah. But he's gotten so much better slide getting over the ball screen and keeping the ball in front of him. That's a re- that's the hardest thing to me maybe to do in basketball. 
is navigate as many ball screen uh, ball screens defensively as a guy like Kim Walker has to do, and he's really improved there. I mean, right. So 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 watch that next time. You know, you're really watching him defensively. And a point guard would have to go through that more than any other position, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's the point. I mean, is is as much contact as he has to take by just navigating uh, and trying to get his his left leg or his right leg over the hip of the of the screener constantly every single game is really really hard to do. And Campbell Walker has become one of the better ones at it uh, in the NBA. I still think he can get better, but he's improved a lot. Yeah. So we are going to disagree here, though. <laughs> I'm take, I'm taking Nick Batum. Um, and it look. It, it's close. Like I'm not. I'm not telling you Nick Batum's a better player than Kim Walker because I don't. Be, you know, I don't believe that. But I will also say <clears throat> that I think the San Antonio game and the Houston game. Like, yes, the Hornets led in both of those games late. Um, you know, in the second half. But you know, a lot of that is empty calories. If that makes sense, Richie. I mean, the Hornets. I mean, there were points in time in both of those games where it looked like, you know, a varsity versus a JV team. And I think there's a big reason to that. I mean, it's just everything offensively has to go through Kimball Walker when Batum's not out there. You know, and it it, it, it sucks so much energy out of Walker. Um, there's a lot of guys on the floor that, I, that I'm not really sure know how to play around that. Um, but when Batum's out there, you know, it gives you that other guy that can go find his own shot, create his own shot. And on top of that, you know, it gives you a guy who can, who can set up the offense. He can distribute all around the floor. Um, you know, and, and, and Batum knows exactly where certain guys are going to be on the floor. Um, Kimba's looking to score the ball. That's really what he's out there to do. The reason Batum's so, so important is because Batum is looking to create for his teammates. So the two complement each other so well. I wish we could really just give this award to both of them because that backcourt of the Hornets, of Kimba and Batum, is is definitely one of the best in the NBA. I would say maybe the most underrated one right. in, in the entire league. Um, but I am going to give it to Batum. I just think this team um, organically is is extremely flawed without Nick Batum on the floor, uh, especially offensively. And, you know, I, I actually would go as far to say is you wouldn't recognize offensively the deficiencies if Kimba's out and Batum's in there. Why? Because I think the ball moves around a little bit more. Um, I, you know, I, I think Batum, again, he's looking to distribute. He's looking to share the ball. He's looking to get his teammates open. And again, it's not a knock against Kimba. Right. Uh, but that is an invaluable asset offensively. So, you know, I'm going to give it to Nick Batum. But, it, you know, it's really, really close. And defensively, you know, Nick Batum can guard three positions, right? Kimba can guard one. Um, um, so you got to you got to consider that too. But I mean, he, look, you can go. Yeah, he, Batum affects more aspects of the game with the rebounding and and, and the assist and and the defense. I, I feel like I think you know Batum takes some plays off, but he, he can he can defend multiple positions like you said. So I see it, uh, but obviously we're going to disagree on this. But we'll split the award there, and that's kind of how they they're both going to get this award here. All right, there you go. Um, okay, so that uh, good little segment there, giving out some awards mid season. Um, Richie, I think it's about time for us to go check out this, uh, this Hornets game. I, I'm going to do the recap tonight, so I do have to go pay attention to what we're calling a must win for the Hornets. Um, 
All right, so I think that's going to do it for tonight, folks. Uh, we got through a lot. Um, you know, continue to tweet us, continue to reach out and give us some feedback about BuzzBeat and let us know what you think. Um, be on the lookout. I'm going to have a column coming, uh, dropping sometime on Monday on Queen City Hoops. I'm kind of previewing the next week for the Hornets. I got some video that I took uh, last week specifically in the in the Houston game that I want to touch on and talk about a little bit, some trends that you've seen recently with the lineup. Um, I'll try to be as, po- as positive as I can. <laughs> hopefully, the, hopefully the Hornets can pull this one out tonight. So again, be on the lookout for that. Uh, okay, again, so I'm Spencer Percy. You can follow me on Twitter at QCH Spencer. Uh, make sure you're following Richie on Twitter. He's at Richie Randall. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, then you, you'll enjoy the content on our site, QueenCityHoops.com. And also make sure you're following uh, the site on Twitter. That's at QCH Blog. All right, lastly, Follow this show, BuzzBeat Podcast. So it's at BuzzBeat Podcast uh, on Twitter. We are a member of the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. You can check out the plethora of awesome podcasts they have. I think there were up to 18 team podcasts. Yeah, he's getting uh, close. Yeah, he's getting there. So we're really doing good stuff, and it's growing every day over at almightyballer.com. So you if you, you want something from a different team or you want to listen to the to the main podcast, uh, go go over and check that out. Um, all right, Richie, so one more time, let folks know where they can listen to us and how they can subscribe to the podcast. All right, yeah, once again, guys, you guys are able to listen to BuzzBeat uh, either you know on your computer, on your laptop, or in the car. Uh, you know, If you want to download the Stitcher app, that app is pretty cool. It allows you to listen to it on the computer, and then wherever you stop, you can continue it in your car. Um, and then once again, my favorite is through iTunes. Just search BuzzBeat. And um, please rate us and review us on iTunes as well. And once again, guys, thank you for your support. Uh, We're nine episodes in, and we look to continue this. All right. Awesome. All right. So, again, thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.